And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 273. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. That's me. And welcome to spring. Well, spring, you know, it's been dragging on and on and on. I have to say, though, I'm really enjoying this cooler weather. I really like cooler weather, and that's, that's why I go to places like Iceland on vacation. But, yeah, um... It's been really nice and, and getting out and about, and especially now that it's getting a little bit warmer and getting out and moving around outside a little more often is something that, uh, yeah, it's it's been really enjoyable. Uh, I hope you all are enjoying Guardians of the Galaxy. came out last week. I haven't seen it yet at the time of recording. Uh, probably will not have seen it either by the time that this airs, uh, just because I think uh, we're waiting for a couple of weeks for it to die down a little bit before we go see it. Uh, Pete has already seen it because, yeah, movie cheating on me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but he does want to see it again because he enjoyed it that much. Uh, a lot of people I know on Facebook are saying that they like it better than the first one, which is a good sign. I mean, you know, I, I thought the first movie was fun. It's not my favorite of the Marvel movies, but... But I did enjoy it, you know. It's just I wasn't as crazy about it as I've been about some of the others. But it'll be fun to, to go see it. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, you know what else I'm looking forward to? <laughs> Finishing Hercules Unbound. Uh, yeah, so we have an issue of Hercules Unbound to cover. Uh, this week we're going to cover issue number five. And uh, after next week, uh, we're going to take a break from Hercules Unbound and move on to something else. Because you know how I am. Yeah, I get bored in one thing. I want to move on to another thing. There's so much good stuff to cover. So why are we covering this? Yeah, um, <laughs> a very good question. Why are we covering this? <laughs> Anyway, um, we'll find out why we're still covering this uh, after our review, I think. Hercules, hero of song and story. Hercules, winner of ancient glory. Fighting for the right, fighting with his might. With the strength of ten ordinary men. Hercules... People are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him. Softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty Hercules. And this week we are covering Hercules Unbound number five. Cover date is July of 1976. Cover price, 30 cents. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to stop buying comics. They're getting so expensive at this point. We have the cover blurb. Beware, Hunter Blood, the man with death in his eyes. Yeah, I feel like I have something in my eyes reading this. Learn the sensational secret of World War III. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. And the cover shows Hercules and Big Ben is falling on top of him and Jennifer. And she is wearing her Daisy Duke outfit. 
and he is wearing his normal togs and there's a looks like a soldier or ape man or cat man or whatever in in green kind of pointing a gun at the both of them and uh, big ben has fallen and hercules is holding it up and he's saying run jennifer even i cannot hold big ben any longer and jennifer is going to have a lot of luck running because she's actually laying on the ground and uh, this actually was drawn, um, looks like uh, Garcia Lopez drew the cover. I'm not sure who inked it. It could be Wally Wood. Um, there's something odd about Hercules' hand on this. It, it looks like it's made of wavy spaghetti or something. Just a, a very weird thing with the hands. We open up to the splash page. Well, the inside front cover has a Superman Saves the Earth Hostess cupcake ad where he saves the Earth from some dorky looking aliens. Anyway, the splash page shows the title of the story, War Among the Ruins, a tale of World War III, sponsored by Jerry Conway, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and Wally Wood are the artists. Joe Orlando is the editor. Hercules is standing on the cover holding a light pole, and we have the hunter-gatherer, whatever his name is, Hunter Blood, and he has um, Jennifer hostage, of course he does, and he's still wearing this uh, ridiculous scarf and super purple and red superhero costume, and he says, Hercules, you have destroyed my priceless collection, smashed my cathedral, buried my golden jewels. For these things I command you to die. I am neither your slave nor your prisoner, Hunter Blood. Your commands mean nothing to me, and less than nothing. Nay, I have a command for you, mutant. Release the girl, or know the wrath of Hercules. And we also see that Kevin is, is here uh, cheering Hercules on from far too close to the fighting. If Hercules were to swing that uh, light pole, he would be hitting Kevin in the head with it, looks like. And we get a double page here of Hercules actually swinging it, and swinging it just goes over Kevin's head. Um, and uh, Hunter Blood is saying, you're a greater fool than I imagined, strong man. First, to believe yourself a god. Second, to attack Hunter Blood with a toy. My eyes were mutated by the bombs which destroyed London, giving me the power to do this. Shoots a rays out of his hands, which hit the light pole, making a zack sound effect. And it looks like the... Um, uh, the light pole just dissolves into dust, which is, uh, we've, we've already seen his powers to make things decay and, and rot and fall apart. And he says, I can decay any object, animate or inanimate, with but a glance, and I can do it instantly. Now do you understand the futility of fighting me, fool? Surrender now, and perhaps I'll let you live. Nay, says Hercules, so long as there is breath in my body and fire in my soul, I'll never surrender. Not to you, not to Ares, god of war. And he leaps forward, and there's like a giant zrack sound effect. Uh, Kevin is kind of cowering in the background, this uh, lightning pounding out. We get a little bit of uh, exposition here. It began this way. After an experience in the underworld they'd all prefer to forget. Yeah, me too. Jennifer Monroe, Kevin, and Hercules returned to the surface world in Paris, where they found a note from their friends, Simon St. Charles and David Rigg, informing them that Simon and David had traveled to London. Going to join Simon and David, they trio were attacked by intelligent animals, who took them captive in the name of their master, Hunter Blood. 
After a harrowing adventure, Hercules and Kevin escaped, destroying Blood's Castle Cathedral in the process. You have sealed your doom! Die, fool! Now! And Jennifer's like, no, no, no. And we proceed on with the story. The two of them are fighting. Hunter Blood shoots a ray out and dissolves the ground right under Hercules' feet. And it dumps him down into the uh, the tube, London tube. And uh, he falls down, a bunch of rocks and stuff. And he bangs his head on the uh, rail of the of the track with a clang. And Kevin is angered by this, so angry that he leaps across this huge hole. I mean, it's got to be nine feet across. I mean, it's it's pretty wide. And he just vaults across it like it's nothing. You killed him. You killed Hercules, the only friend I have. Well, he's forgetting his dog, but uh, I guess the dog's forgettable. Eh? How could you leap that hole? You're blind. Apparently, you're not what you seem, boy. Had I the time and inclination, I might make you my slave so I could study you at my leisure. And he does uh, just a simple backhand, slaps Kevin down. Kevin's down for the count from that. Would that to be honest, that slap didn't look like it would knock anyone down, but yeah, Kevin being Kevin. All right. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, I have neither. Come, Jennifer Monroe, our concerns are elsewhere. And he picks up Jennifer and they go running off, uh, off through the streets of London. We get a, a special magic set offer from Charms. This is an ad with really, really, really dire art. Literally, I think, dr drawn by a middle school student. But anyway, uh, and then we shift scenes. Uh, we shift scenes to uh, elsewhere in London where we have um, a wooden ship going down the River Thames towards, towards London town, I guess. Actually, towards where Hercules and company are. And aboard this vessel, we have Ares, and we have uh, Simon and David, and we actually have some uh, Greek-looking soldier people who are just kind of hanging around. I like the shield. One of them is holding uh, Ares' shield, and it has uh, an obvious picture of the devil on it. <laughs> it's red, and it actually has a, a, the face of a bald dude with, uh, with horns and a little pointy forked beard. I mean, it looks exactly like every cartoon depiction of the devil you've ever seen. And uh, Ares is eating some kind of food and he's got a cup of some kind of drink in his hand too. And the two men wake up. Ares saying, Awake at last, eh, gentlemen? I was afraid you'd miss our landing. London is such a beautiful city when seen from the Thames. Don't you agree, Mr. Rigg? Watch your temper, David. We wouldn't want to anger this chap much as we might despise him. What's your own temper, Simon? Me, I've nothing but contempt for this fruitcake. Contempt and pity. You call yourself Ares, God of War? Well, if you're a god, I'm Shirley Temple. And uh, Ares is, uh, he looks at him kind of crossly and says, Pithis, I do believe I've been insulted. Our guest needs a lesson in restraint. And one of the the, uh, the guards encroaches on him menacingly, wearing a very stereotypically Viking helmet for some reason. And Dave is like, oh yeah, I grew up in Chicago, fella. And in Chai, you learn to defend yourself and not call it Chai because that's really stupid. Or else you don't survive. 
and he kicks out, hits the uh, the soldier in the chin with a whack, making the guy go irk. And we see that he's not wearing socks, though, you know, hey, he's not wearing sandals, so I guess that's okay. Um, and knocks the soldier down. And Ares is unhappy about this, seeing, seeing that David is still tied up, you know, and, and you're tied to the mast of this whole boat. And Ares is like, Horman, Jakul, hold him. Mr. Rig, you're becoming more trouble than you're worth. I captured you to use as bait to entrap Hercules. But if you persist in defying me, I'll devise some other plan to destroy my immortal enemy. And you, Mr. Rig, shall die. And we shift scenes back to Hercules, who is laying underground, and he is surrounded by animal people. We got, looks like, cat people we got a monkey guy got a lion dude and um yeah so they're they're laying underground oh there's a train on the track though the train is obviously not going anywhere and the uh, caption says the pain is fading now from an all-consuming agony to a muted annoyance as the pain melts away consciousness returns and with consciousness and awareness that he is not alone and so we have a um yeah, stereotypical Cockney gorilla, because that's a stereotype now. Okay, mate, I'll give you to the count of three to be on your feet. One bloody false move and you're a dead bloke for sure. Your speech is strange, animal, but the meaning all too clear. But as I once said before tonight to Hunter Blood, Hercules will not surrender. Now or ever. Here now, governor, let's not get violent. Peace. Um, so, um, yeah, Hercules has stopped fighting them, and, uh, he said, there's a good lad. When I heard you mention unto blood the way you just did, I said to myself, he's not a bad sort, because any enemy of unter blood's got to be a friend of Durak Malloy. You're not one of blood's pet beasts, then? Not bloody likely, mate. Him and me, we may be neighbours, but we ain't exactly friends, if you know what I mean. And Hercules is looking around, and there's all these uh, clothes laying in perfect, um, perfect order on the floor. Uh, this is, you know, we're led to believe weeks and months after, <laughs> after the the bombing, and people have been walking all through the subway during this time. But they're just, you know, sitting there, just perfectly arranged, as though they just fell. There's purses and briefcases. Nobody's gone through them looking for money or anything. Anyway, these clothes. What happened to the people that wore them, says Hercules. You mean the humans? Funny thing about that, governor. One day there was a big burst in the sky, like an explosion, you see. And just like that, every last human bloke just upped and disappeared. And Hercules is surprised by this, and we get a, like, a reaction take from him. And we shift to the surface uh, where we have Kevin, and he's just laying there. And Basil's trying to revive him, and he, he wakes up. He's like, Basil, hey, dog, where? My God, Hercules, I just remembered. Basil, we've lost him. He's dead. He's... And uh, Hercules speaks up. Nay, Kevin, not dead. Merely stunned by the fall. And Kevin's like, wow, Basil and you both okay. What a day, Herc. Man, oh, man, what a day. And so they're all back together again. And uh, so Hercules introduces him to the gorilla guy, and then they all go off together. And it says here that they are heading east. 30 minutes later, they arrive at a big yellow building, and uh, Dirac says, 
Here it is, mate. The National Medical Research Centre. That's where it started for me, anyway. Care to pop around inside? You say it started here, Durak? What, the war which has reduced this earth to rubble? No, nothing like that, governor. This is where I got me mind. Before the war, I was an animal, just like all the rest. What you call a guinea pig. These research blokes were testing some chemical called cortexin, which they'd been tipped to by an American doc named Michael Grant. Something tells me we're going to be meeting this Michael Grant person. Leastwise, that's how I figured it out afterwards. And we have a scene of an ape in a cage. It's probably Duroc. Um, that's a very small cage. These, these doctors are pretty inhumane. <laughs> anyway, um, a doctor comes running in or an orderly or somebody says, Dr. Jansen, the window. Look out the window. For the love of heaven, those explosions in the distance. Somebody's bombing London. It's the war, doctor. It's finally happened. World War Baroom. And the ball comes comes in. And we see the, the ape in the cage. He's like screaming and, and says, There was an explosion greater than all the others. Only yards from the lab window. Well, governor, I went crazy with fear. But the explosion wasn't anything. What happened next? And it just uh, shows the doctors and all the people just dissolving and just falling out of their clothes like a powder, kind of like the those aliens in that one episode of Star Trek. And it says, uh, Dr. Jensen, his assistant, and the orderly. One minute they were standing there just as you are, then they were gone. Their clothes collapsing in neat little piles. Believe me, mate, that was a bloody frightful thing to see. Me being just a dumb beast and all, I started screaming and hollering. Well, it didn't do no good. Because everyone, everyone had vanished away like a politician's promises. And then, governor, a funny thing happened. The mist came crawling through the room from some beakers laying broken on the floor. Must have been the cortexin, and it was spreading everywhere, mixing with the air, reaching out all across all London, reaching all the animals, but first of all, reaching me. And so we have um, kind of this glimmer appear in the ape's eye and this mist of chemicals, and, and he is able to... Uh, easily open the the lock on his cage, which looks. I mean, they should have actually had like a padlock or something on there, but they, apparently they didn't. Governor, it was though some bloke had splashed me with a ton of cold water and waked me from my heavy sleep. Suddenly, I could think. Things which was just a blur before became as clear as crystal glass. Opening my cage bolt was easy as cotton cake. I wandered out in the open, finding no men, only piles of clothes and ruins. Ruins everywhere. That's how it began, mate. You tell me where it's going to end. In truth, Dirac Malloy, I cannot. This war is Ares' war. When will it end? Only he will say. Ares, eh? Is he one of Hunter Blood's pals? My friend, in a way, Hunter Blood is one of his. Hey, Herc, I've been thinking, says Kevin. He says there with the dog. The way Durak here mutated into an intelligent creature may have something to do with me. You say yourself that for a blind kid, I'm something special. The way I hear things. The way I hypnotized you in Bud's Belfry. Maybe I'm a mutant too. Well, Baz, what do you think? And uh, yeah, Baz is just being all doggy and, and all that. And we shift scenes to the uh, House of Lords. Uh, what, what used to be the House of Lords. 
and we have a bunch of animal people and they're gathered around and they're in the gallery and Hunter Blood is kind of paying he's like standing in the middle holding court and everything a menace I tell you if what my scout tells me is true this Hercules is still alive and if we're to survive as rulers of the city he must not remain alive and he uses his eye beams to blast the ceiling above him which seems like a bad idea um, and he says, he must be destroyed. And Jennifer is there and she's thinking to herself, Jennifer, my girl, that man is ill. Somehow, someway, we've got to get your tail out of here or he's going to kill you too. And we then shift scenes to a movie theater. And apparently there's power in the movie theater because they're watching a movie. And... Very strange. Uh, we have the gorilla and Hercules, and I'm presuming Kevin and the dog are here too. The caption says, Slowly, ponderously, as it has for centuries, the clock known as Big Ben chimes the hour, and the hour is 6 a.m., morning of the following day. What's really interesting about this is that, okay, so Big Ben is chiming. They have electricity, and they're watching movies um something tells me this is kind of dumb <laughs> because i mean there's electricity and stuff and people are i mean how has life really changed that much i mean there, there doesn't seem to be any radiation nobody's dying of this stuff all over the streets but here we are anyway they're watching some kind of movie and i'm not sure who this guy is supposed to be but um I don't know. It's an actor I don't recognize. And it says here, uh, Hercules is saying, you say this man was popular with mortals in the last generation before the war? I, yeah, I don't even know who it is. He was considered a symbol, you see, for the way things used to be. When his movies were made, nobility still had a meaning. And honor was something you admired. Humans got too cynical towards the end, you see. Couldn't believe in each other or in anything else. How do they become so blind? Have they no heroes? No leaders? Well, mate, that's another story. And outside we have, uh, in the lobby, we have Kevin and Basil, and they are playing tug-of-war in the, um, in the uh, lobby. And they're playing it with apparently a piece of curtain or something, big piece of cloth. Kevin's like, that's right, Basil, pull. It's your favorite game, so tug-blast it, you dumb dog. And Basil's going, grr, and he's tugging. And then some animal people arrive in the lobby, and they are uh, carrying guns, look like they're going to uh, you know, be up to no good here. And one of them steps on broken glass and makes a crinking noise. And all of a sudden, Kevin yells, Get down! And he jumps down, and the um, guys are shooting the Cat people are shooting, Bacrow, Bachow. We have Kevin doing like Daredevil level, you know, Spider Man level gymnastics here. This kind of hand springing across the room, and while he, at the same time, is is getting a rock into a sling and swinging it around, and he's saying, "Rifle bolt snapping into place, feet shuffling over broken glass. Who needs eyesight when you can hear? With loud clowns like you, fighting blind is cake." And he's hip, hitting the, uh, like the cat guys right in the face with rocks, with a wham. And he, he and, and Basil are kind of running off to hide behind furniture and that kind of thing. 
Uh, of course, they have guns. Looks like uh, semi-automatic rifles, so that won't last long. So they're all shooting, pow, kapchow, brakum, brakum. And the, the animal people are going, he's the human punk hunter Blood warned us about. Kill him. And Hercules smashes through the door. Here's what's going on. Kevin, I heard gunshots. Are you all right, lad? Don't fret, Herc. I am now. And the animal people are starting to shoot at Hercules. And um, Hercules is holding up some kind of a, it looks like a stone slab, and I'm not really sure where he got it uh, because, you know, he's in the lobby of a uh, movie theater, so I'm not sure where he, anyway. So they're shooting at it, and they all seem to be missing Hercules with their guns, but they're hitting this big stone over his head, uh, which I would think would be pretty dangerous because of the uh, ricochets and that kind of thing. But anyway, so the bullets are ricocheting off with a spatang, a crack. Hunter Blood's animal army attacking a lone defenseless boy. But my father's soul, such cowardice shall not go unrewarded. Thus do I solemnly swear. And he takes his big stone slab and he smashes it into uh, all the soldiers. Looks like there's about six of them. And they are crushed underneath this big slab of concrete, um, which is very brutal. Like I said, this is a brutal series. And Hercules stumbles outside with with the uh, soldiers in pursuit. And there's a uh, caption says, few things in life can match a sight like this. The son of Zeus enraged, doing battle over overwhelming odds and standing forth triumphant. And the um, uh, animals are attacking him and he's shaking them off, throwing them away. We see that some of them are dogs. Um, some of them are cats. There's one that's a blue thing. I don't know what it is. A, I don't know, hippo or something. I don't know. And uh, another one here looks like an ape. And Hercules is saying, back, curs, back, I say. My mother was an Athenian noble, but my father is Zeus, Lord of Olympus, and mine is the power and the glory. And the caption says, abruptly, the conflict ends as suddenly a voice rings out, and all eyes lift towards a building only yards away. And it turns out to be Hunter Blood, and he is standing on top of a roof, and Jennifer is with him, and Big Ben is behind him. And he's like, Hercules, the hour has come for retribution for the countless indignities you fostered upon me. And thus you all must be destroyed. And he uses his eye beams to shoot them at Big Ben. And it's like cutting through like a, like a, like a you know, laser cutter or something. It's going through Big Ben. Big Ben is kind of wobbling a little bit. Verily, you are a madman, Hunter Blood. Or have you forgotten those creatures who owe you their allegiance and who lie in the street below? Doomed to die when my friends die? Can it be they don't concern you, Hunter Blood? Why should they concern me? They're slaves, nothing more. And slaves are nothing and less than nothing. And Zeus, it says here, the son of Zeus makes a growling sound. And with teeth clenched, he continues to climb straight up the side of Hunter Blood's building. Toes digging holes in concrete. Fingers gouging handholds in stone. And, um, yeah, so he's basically climbed up the building. And he's now on the roof, and Hunter Blood is there. Because, you know, he, he climbed the, the same wall that Hunter Blood is standing. I mean, Hunter Blood could not have missed him climbing the wall. But anyway, he reaches the top, and, and he says, Hunter Blood! And Hunter Blood's like, You? Up here? Impossible! Nothing is impossible, Hunter Blood, for Hercules. 
and um, under Bud panics, and he, he leaps off this building. And at the same time, uh, Big Ben starts to fall down, and it's uh, groaning and creaking and cracking, and is collapsing. And it's just Jennifer and Hercules on the roof, and um, Hercules is going to try to catch it. And Jennifer says, Hercules, run! Save yourself at least! Flee? Never, says Hercules. And there's a giant crash as Hercules uh, catches Big Ben and is holding it, keeping it from crushing him and Jennifer. And he says, I am an immortal Jennifer Monroe. With such privilege, there also comes certain responsibility. Hey, where, where have we heard that before? With great power come. Oh, never mind. All right. Flee and leave others behind to die. T'would be an act of a coward. A rejection of all honor. Ooh. <laughs> that is what he says. And if nothing else, Jennifer Monroe, I am an honorable man. And he's, um, I guess, kind of deflecting the, the, the tower so that it doesn't fall on top of them. But all these stones and things are falling into the street. And, and so uh, Kevin and the dog and the, you know, the soldiers and Durnak and all these other people are in the street. The, uh, the Cockney gorilla is like, Gap, boy, the falling stones. And Kevin's like, Basil, what? And the dog kind of pushes him. And there's a uh, giant crump as Basil is smashed flat by a, uh, a falling rock. Though, didn't we see Basil shot just a couple of issues ago and he seems fine? I'm guessing he's going to be fine from this too. Anyway, he's lying under this giant, uh, it's like a two foot by two foot square uh, building stone. So the gorilla dude's like, the rock fell on him, mate. No way he could survive that. Mate, I'm sorry. And Kenneth's like, stupid, stupid dog. And he's, he's all crying and all that. And um, Hercules pushes the rest of the tower off uh, the top of the building, uh, off the other way so it doesn't smash everyone in the street. Jennifer says, Hercules, something's happened below. I think Kevin's hurt. By my soul, if that boy is harmed. No, it isn't Kevin. It's his dog. Oh, Hercules, why is it always the good people who suffer? Why poor Kevin and not that monster blood? And we see <laughs> the last panel. It's all of Hunter Blood's soldiers are smashing him with big rocks and uh, and sticks. So he's being beaten to death by his own people. Hercules says, "'Tis poor consolation, Jennifer Monroe, but Hunter Blood is suffering. His betrayed slaves will see to that. Yet his pain will shortly end, and Kevin's will last long past mourning. Next issue, Behold the God War!' And that is Hercules Unbound, number five. And of course, we're going to talk about what we thought about this issue, but we're going to do so right after this message. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? 
Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. It's what's all become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. We've started one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on TwoTrueFreaks.com. And we're back. So, yeah, more silliness in this issue. It's not maybe quite as silly as we had last issue, other than the fact that we've got a Cockney gorilla might in it. Um, yeah, sorry about the bad Cockney accent. I'm not really up on my Cockney. Uh, but, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty awful. Um, and I guarantee you this comic is as bad as my Cockney accent is. Um Artwork is very uneven. I mean, there's some places where it's quite good. There's other places where it's kind of meh. Um, and most of the issue, it's just kind of meh. There's nothing really great about it, nothing really horrible about it. I think that there's some uh, things in this issue that kind of stand out, though. Uh, the, the depiction of Big Ben is actually generally quite accurate. So obviously they use some sort of photo reference. It's not photorealistic, but they get the details right. I mean, they actually are, it is in the Gothic style that you can see the individual architectural notes. They try at least to, to make the dial look right. Um, yeah, so, so they're actually, they did a little bit of research on it. Hercules looks pretty good throughout the issue. There's some good uh, facial shots here kind of throughout the issue, mostly of Hercules that look pretty good. Um, it, it, again, I think that Wally Wood is kind of carrying the weight on this on this comic art wise. It looks way more like a, a Wally Wood art job than a uh, a job by Garcia Lopez. Um, interesting um, ideas here, like I said about World War Three, and and I mean, how great was this disaster really? When you have movie theaters still in operation, you still have electricity so that they can be watching movies. You've got animal people that know how to operate movie projectors. I mean, that's that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there there are some very silly things going on here as far as the story is concerned. That that I guess would concern me a little bit um, if I really cared about the comic that much, and I, I don't. I mean, it's it's kind of fun, but uh, again, there's a lot of really really silly things going on. Um, let's look at the ads really briefly. Not much going on. Now, we're getting close to July. This is cover dated July of 1976. What thing happened in July of 1976? Well, yeah, you're right, the Bicentennial. American Bicentennial. And so, of course, we have several Bicentennial-related ads here. We have the official Young America for 76 Bicentennial T-shirt. Uh, yeah, you can get any of a variety of really ugly t-shirt designs here. God, I wouldn't have worn these even as a teenager, <laughs> which I was in 1976. Um, but the, uh, yeah, uh, it looks like you can get t-shirts uh, for about five bucks, sweatshirts for six bucks, uh, bike bags, posters. Yeah, all sorts of bicentennial crap. Um the bicentennial, I mean, I mean, I guess it was a big deal, you know, America's 200th birthday and all that. But I don't remember 
where I was living at the time, which was an island off the coast of Florida, um, really a lot going on. We had a parade. I remember going and, and actually walking in the parade. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just not a... Uh, I, yeah, don't remember it being that big a deal. Of course, they had new quarters, and, and uh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that, that uh, they had. Um, looking at some of the other ads, what do we have here? We have uh, an ad here for DC's tabloids. The new tabloids were uh, Batman. I think that this was a Neil Adams art collection because they were just trying to get all that Neil Adams stuff reprinted in large format at this point. Um, we also have a more Secret Origins of Supervillains uh, with the uh, yeah secret origins of a bunch of um, of supervillains and in the spectacular 3D diorama, which I'm assuming meant that you had to cut up your uh, your comic <laughs> because that's how dioramas work. Dura Queen International has a full page ad. When I plan to retire before 50, this is the business that made it possible, and we get uh, a true story by John B. Hakey. Um, about uh, being a Dura Queen representative, because you know, opening a Dura Queen franchise is what every person reading this comic is really interested in. We also have a another again a how to make money. Imagine making up to a hundred dollars in a single hour operating a business with in quotations you can carry in your pocket, and it's a uh, it's actually a tiny little jewelry box that you can carry a little looks like costume jewelry in and you can uh yeah you can sell jewelry out of a box on the street because that's how everyone makes a hundred dollars in a single hour selling cheap jewelry dc salutes the bicentennial with a great free offer and uh, if you cut up the covers of your comics they have a a banner a masthead across the uh the cover of, of DC Comics, the month of July, saying uh, DC salutes the Bicentennial, and they have numbers. And if you send 25 different cover headings, which means you have to mutilate 25 of your comics, they will send you a free metal Superman belt buckle. Ooh. That's a, yeah, I mean, the belt buckle itself looks like, you know, I mean, it looks like an inexpensive metal belt buckle, but it doesn't look bad. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think I'd want to cut up the comics. The comics are probably worth more than that damn belt buckle. And, of course, we have a installment in Justice for All Includes Children, uh, which is involving Superman creepily watching a bunch of uh, 12-year-old boys play basketball. And, uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. On the back cover, we have a Spalding ad, a Spalding a baseball glove ad with uh, actually really nice art here by Jack Davis. Um, Jack Davis, of course, being at that point kind of an old has-been at that point. I mean, he was drawing stuff for Mad Magazine, was still doing that, but uh, not really a name anymore. But uh, Jack Davis, one of the greats. I mean, he really is a very... Uh, Nice, stylized, really good at caricatures and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I uh, love, love the Jack Davis artwork. All right. So with that, we're, we are done for this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening. And, of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Jolio, London where uh, the, the Cockney Gorilla can show me around the joint, <laughs> and we could go see a movie. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy too. 
And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>